0: Everybody to the Improvement Podcast. This is episode number 19 and we are going to be talking all things on how to improve your life. What do you think about Dave? What do you think about right now?
1: What am I thinking about right yeah. now?
0: My mind was blank
1: right there actually. Absolutely. I was I totally just listening. Completely in the
2: moment.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. As always, my name is Sean. I'm here always with my good friend Dave. What's up? And we have a very special guest today. His name is Chris Hurd, and he is the first man to ever hypothesize about blockchain currency and hostile takeovers. I think I just butchered that, to be honest. But <laughs> close, <laughs> close enough. Yeah, so basically Chris is to blame for cryptocurrency going down the toilet. Am I right?
2: Or improving it. So uh, <laughs> the whole sort of M&A thing could be the eradication of all these bullshit. Can, can I yeah, 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 down yeah down I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Of, Yeah, we're all friends here. Nonsense ICOs. So, (laughs) yeah, you, you could basically see how all those combine into some super chain, and that actually has some utility. Maybe. Something like that. Something like that. So, All right.
0: Good stuff. So, as you probably guessed, we're not going to be talking about Bitcoin today. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I'd really like to. Well, maybe. I would, yeah. I, would, I would really. It's probably going to come up. We have a theme, but we'll see where it goes. Yeah, of course. Of course. No, the theme for today, episode number 19, is problem solving. Mm-hmm. I'm quite excited about this one, actually, because I am a problem solver. Yes. I like problems. Yes. We likewise. like to solve them. Mm-hmm. I'm yet to come across a problem I'm yet to solve. Mm. Apart from cryptocurrency. <laughs> So who knows?
2: Mm, actually, the unsolvable problem.
0: I'm is, sure that's is it, is it? <laughs> it might it might well be. I'm I'm sure there's problems out there that no one can solve, um, including us three, round the table.
1: <laughs> you know, let's I do know. a jigsaw. I, I see. I see myself as someone who likes to enable people to solve problems for themselves.
0: Wow, what a way to see yourself! Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's that's how I see my role, the role of a coach. Oh, a I'm point. not here to fix the shit for you. <laughs> Oh, I want it. to help you to figure it out for yourself. That's more powerful.
0: Also, a really good way of charging people for not very much. I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's a racket, yeah. <laughs> i, really I really now, I've seen it firsthand. It's quite valuable, actually. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, right, so today we are going to be talking about problem solving. But, as always, we're going to have some banter. Does someone have banter?
1: Some banter.
0: anyone have anything to talk about that isn't problem solving right away? No, it of course. got <laughs> <That> dead silence. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> Exciting. Well, we went to see um, a pretty Intense. fascinating <laughs> problem solver this week in yeah. Professor Brian Cox. It was incredible. Who uh, blew my mind? Was I here? Yeah, in Aberdeen. Yeah, I Is actually. It,
0: it was the ACC. It was the big arena. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, five thousand oh, people. Oh, was, that was probably about six thousand there. Yeah, it was, it was a it was packed. a decent audience. Yeah, I mean, I actually How bought tickets. I bought tickets for this show back in 2017. And at the time, I actually thought I was buying tickets for his show to see it in 2018. Mm. And it wasn't until afterwards I realized I had to wait an additional 12 months to actually see the <laughs> bloody show. Um, <laughs> it
2: gave you a lot of time to brush up on your quantum physics. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. but I love the guy. I think he's... Like we spoke about in the car on the way there, Mm -hmm. you know, he's really, um, for me, I think he's like the David Attenborough of science. That's actually the words he used as well. Um, He's made it so much more accessible um, and cool in a way, in in a way that, you know, some of the guys that came before him um, probably haven't done. I mean, he's really a kind of modern version. Um, But I think, you know, such a clever dude, massively passionate about it as well, which, Mm -hmm. you know, makes it interesting, makes it, you know, appealing as well.
2: Yeah, I think it's in being able to translate really complex things into things that everyday man or woman Mm -hmm. can understand. And Mm -hmm. actually, that's super interesting because quantum mechanics aren't something you immediately think, well, gee, I'm going to pick that up and understand aspects of it, but. Well, yeah, yeah it, c- it comes as lack of knowledge, doesn't it? It's, Absolutely. That's,
0: that's all it is. I mean, you look at subjects like that and you think, I don't understand it, so I'm not going to bother. Mm-hmm. But he brings it in such a way that you will understand it. Yeah. Um, he was talking about taking photos of back in time. That freaked me out. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: where they use telescopes to look at light, hundreds of thousands of light years so away. So you instantly
1: understood what I was talking about there. Yeah. That was right. Bas- should have been there. <laughs> Basically, he um, showed a photo. I mean, there were some amazing visuals. It was really cool. Yeah, it was. But they so it's showed... the same
2: guys that done the Interstellar. That's right.
1: Yeah. Yes. That's right, yep. Exactly. They, they used the technology to um, simulate a black hole. Mm. It was so cool. But yeah, the photo that you were speaking about mm. was... Um, how long-range long telescopes had been used to capture light from essentially as close to the Big Bang as we feel we can achieve. It was um, cool. It was, it was yeah, really cool. Very cool. Which is a bit of a mind-bender thinking that we can actually see the past in that way.
2: <laughs> Here, here's another one for you. If it was theoretically possible to travel faster than the speed of light, mm. would you then go back in time?
0: Well, he was talking about that because he said nothing Nothing travels faster than the speed of light. Yeah. That's the universal yeah. speed limit. Impossible. Um, yeah. But if you could. Yeah, he was, well, he was talking about trying to move that, and it, it didn't say effectively go back in time, but what he was talking about was affecting change mm-hmm. out with the parameters of the universe, which mm. is baffling to me. Mm. You know, it blows my mind. I could talk about this for hours, but I think we yeah. should move on. <laughs> 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 it really was a tremendous show, though. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's enough banter. I don't think that was banterish. Yeah, well, I think that was a whatever. very deep discussion about the universe, it
1: wasn't that which I enjoyed all the better. Like a little bit in. Yeah, all right, fair yeah. enough, yeah. fair enough.
2: I, I, I guess that's interesting. How how often does banter descend into things that actually are tangible? Like well, if you've ever been I mean to a if bar,
0: it's... if you've ever been to a bar, you'll notice the barroom debate starts off as banter and gets really intense very quickly.
2: You must have. Me. I feel like I do. <laughs> I feel like every time. And I've, I have not been frequenting bars recently. But sure, sure. Last time I was there, I think, was my birthday, and we ended up putting rubber ducks in pictures of uh, other people's drinks. <laughs> <laughs> we should go to a bar. <laughs> I'm up for that. I'm up okay. for that. should be a great hey, laugh. Hey, why was there rubber ducks there? Because Actually, I, I never questioned that. <laughs> that.
1: <laughs> have you ever come across the game pegging? I basically invented it. I invented it. What what year? I invented it in Newcastle in the mid two thousands. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Two thousand twelve.
2: <laughs> what's the what's the it's brilliant game? Well,
1: it's actually I got to call it stealth pegging. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, explain
2: what it is. But I've got some. Basically, you stick question. pegs on people. Yeah, but I've known about it.
1: Uh, so I, I was, was um, different. Yeah. yeah I okay I think pegging. I know where you're going. Um, i yeah i was in newcastle and um visiting some friends and we've been out all day and we'd gone in past um someone's flat and um i was standing outside one of my mates and they were having a smoke and i noticed this um clothesline loads of pegs on it and you uh, stole pegs We had to buy acquired them. all right <laughs> um and different game. yeah, we'd also been smoking a little bit of the wacky backy as well. Oh, and so we my friend, um, Ewan, had gotten into quite, a, he's quite an intense guy. He, when he gets going into a story, he really goes deep. Hey, and, good, yeah. yeah, especially when you've kind of had a bit of a, a talk as well. And he was so deep in his conversation. I thought, right, I wonder how many pegs I can get on him. <laughs> and I managed to get <laughs> 10 on him. That's pretty good, actually. Without yeah, him noticing.
2: What's what's the par?
0: It's not really a I par. So. We played it a different way. Uh-huh. So basically, we all had pegs with our names on them uh-huh. uh, because we really prepared for it. Uh, <laughs> bring bring yeah, your own pegs. <laughs> bring your own pegs. Professional. Yeah, absolutely. We put our names on them, obviously, so we could keep score. Uh-huh. Um, and then we just started putting it on random people. Yeah. Now, I sort of went the other way and started going intense with it. So I started off like pretty easy, a drunk guy or whatever, and then a waitress, and then a DJ, then a bouncer than a policeman you know and I, I actually the, the my final peg was on um we were in where the hell were we doing this I can't remember but what we did was we saw a news crew and they had the cameraman and there was a guy standing in front of the camera the guy holding the boom mic on the boom mic <laughs> <laughs> so, of course I... the camera the guy in the front of the camera saw me do it but he couldn't say anything because he was being recorded <laughs>
2: So my question is if you're putting your names on them, do you put your address so you can get them back?
0: I would yeah, I would. I would you know, with,
2: dangerous with a policeman.
0: Yeah, but it was great fun though. Right on his hat.
2: Mm. So what what's the what's the most ridiculous claim you've heard someone tell you that they invented something? So my wow. mine's just um, very ridiculous. Blockchain today.
0: hostile takeovers I about go. twenty minutes ago. <laughs> mm. <laughs> nah, I don't know. Um the, a word? Only, yeah, somebody invented the question mark. I've heard that one. Oh, really? Yeah, he was, he was only eighteen, so I don't think it was him. Okay. So,
2: so my my dad, my dad's claim is that when they were at the nineteen eighty three cup final for Aberdeen, yeah, his mate invented the song "Champions," <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, that is good. That's good. That's a great one because I know he's, he does not speak a word of Spanish. <laughs> So he somehow managed to come up with a Spanish word for champion, remix that into a song that's been used across the world for every cup final since that point.
1: Also, they were in Sweden. Were they? Well, it was in Gothenburg. You're speaking about the final in Gothenburg, aren't you? Yeah. So (laughs) that's a great clue.
2: Playing in Spanish. Of course, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Uh, I had someone that told me they invented parking sensors. That was a good one. I mean... Yeah, where'd you go with that? Well, mm. Parking sensors was one. Um, I invented Wonga when I was nine.
1: Or the concept.
0: The concept, yeah. Well, I asked my dad. He goes, why does it take so long to pay back a loan? Why not do it in like a few weeks? I got I got three so, grand, I,
2: grand back from Wonga. Yes. Giving more credence to the reason of why I founded the startup. <laughs> <laughs> very I sent, nice. I sent their CEO a very pleasant email. I can imagine. <laughs> very pleasant <email. laughs>
0: <laughs> right, we should talk about problem solving real quick, shall we? I think, uh,
1: I think uh, Chris managed to solve a problem for himself right there. I feel like he did. Uh, oh, that yeah. was good. That
0: was a good one. All right, so Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself before we go into it, shall you?
2: How far do I go back? Oh, ten minutes. Ten minutes. <laughs> it's up to you. I uh, don't know where the most interesting place to go back to. Is.
1: Well, I like the fact that you learned... Well, you. Took on an architecture degree not to become an architect, but to cultivate an architect's mindset, a creator's mindset. me a
2: little bit too much credit there. Well, I, I went into it wanting to be an architect, and then realised it wasn't why, for you. Why do I want to be an architect? Right. Uh-huh. So that that was slightly odd. I, I guess what they're talking about is I had that moment of clarity maybe just in the second year mm-hmm. where I thought, well, I don't want to be an architect, but actually. There's so many things that it enables you to do sure. that actually it's probably the best business degree in the world. Wow, okay. Which sounds like a really ridiculous thought for an 18-year-old to have, but actually <laughs> it, it made a lot of sense to me at the time. When sure. You look at what businesses are, typically they're just reinvention a historical precedent. So that's what Airbnb is of the hotel industry, that's what Uber is of mm-hmm. um, the taxi industry, that's what Microsoft was of IBM to an extent I guess and mm. yeah every business in history and what I thought architecture was at the time was that is what you do with buildings you go back to the pantheon you look at the rules that governed why that was a great building you do the same thing with the villas and houses and okay. stadiums and you take that forward and you integrate the current technology of the day improve upon what there was in the past and create something new so although you do create something new it's just Reinterpreting something that already exists so that was one aspect of why architecture was such a good degree to mm-hmm. solve those problems but also there's the different aspects of it you need to learn to project manage you learn some design history so you learn about why columns look the way that they do and you understand the utility of things so mm-hmm. yeah that 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 was a fairly early moment of clarity i think in my academic career that solved a solution that I never really knew I was trying to solve at the time. Yeah. Led me to do certain things later on in life that I wouldn't have done had I gone a different route.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Wow. That's, 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 quite an in, that's quite an insight to have for, for being so young. So good for you. So you became an architect?
2: No. no All right. Good never, good. never became an architect. Um, Great. You I get the degree though? got the degree no, that's six, fine. six years down the drain if you <laughs> look at it from that perspective of how many buildings I've designed. But sure. Yeah, so I guess the, the route from there was you're in Aberdeen, you've got an architecture degree. Where do you go after that? Oil and gas industry, obviously. You need obviously. Some, you need some yeah. money. Obviously. That's why we're here. And That's why we're yeah. all in the city. So, done that for a couple of years, um, very much a nine to five thing. Mm-hmm. Never found it that interesting. So, I thought, what else can I do at the same time out with business hours? Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we gay. Uh, okay. Yeah, started emailing startups down in London in the States, won a competition to be the CEO at Skyscanner for a day, connected with some of the leading business figures in the UK, venture capitalists, um, and yeah, basically started helping a few startups grow across the UK, um, advised them on their horizontal expansion, so they are working on a specific niche vertical, I guess helped them look at that from a different perspective and said, well, if you're doing this really specific thing. What other services can you offer your company to mm-hmm. make it more profitable? Mm-hmm. And that probably takes me up to last October, okay. where I was sitting in my granny's house and uh phone rings. My dad's sitting in the corner, me, and my brother are sitting there, and my auntie's there, and uh, I realised there doesn't translate very well, but <laughs> <laughs> you can, people will get it. Yeah. So we're watching the football. He picks the phone up. He's a big. Scottish guy, um, sure, burly, (laughs) and uh just starts the conversation as you do when you're on the phone. Mm -hmm. Hello, yeah. How much? And he's he's getting angrier and angrier, and he's he's pretty good at getting angry. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll admit we've seen it. He's Scottish. He's Scottish, and we get angry a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's getting angrier and there's some expletive ridden rant and the phone gets slammed down and he screams for my granny to come through and she's the polar opposite of what he is, right? She's Mm -hmm. five foot, she's from Halifax in England so she's well-spoken and she's 85 so she comes through all in a panic because she's getting screamed at by her 55-year-old son or whatever and he, you're paying £160 a month for Sky TV she's like, yeah, obviously. Why? He said, like, "Well, I'm I'm paying forty pounds a month for a better service, and I get my phone and the internet for that as well." Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there thinking, "Well, I used to do. I used to help my granny read stuff for. She's got molecular disease, so she can't see. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would help her with her finances. Obviously, I know who my mum and dad's bank is. Mm-hmm. Seen they had the same bank. Why? Why can't our banks help us see that that issue where there's a lack of transparency?" People are paying too much for different things. And yeah, that led me to found the startup that we founded. So the direct implication of finding a problem, seeing mm-hmm. a problem was trying to create the solution mm-hmm. in a way that helps a lot of people.
0: I love that. Yes. I love that. And you, you kind of lead into the idea of problem solving mm-hmm. where you identified the problem, which is effectively the first tip mm-hmm. of seven that I have. Uh, We've got seven tips and problem solving, but that's the first one, identifying the problem. Yes, create awareness.
1: Everything starts with awareness. Yeah, we've said that before, I feel. It's true. If you're not aware, then how are you going to know to make a choice and do anything better? And I think
2: that's absolutely something. I think everyone sees problems, right? Mm. Yeah. Very few people approach it from the perspective of saying, well, actually, I could solve this. Mm -hmm. So Sarah Blakely, I think her name is, she was the founder of Spanx okay cool Um, and she basically done what a lot of women done at the time they would put on tights or whatever because they wanted a tighter fit or they didn't want clothes to stick Yeah. but instead of just doing that she took that to a manufacturer and said well can you create this garment Create a billion pound company out of it now she knows a number of friends that done this I'm sure every woman knew people doing that at the time but none of them actually approached it from a perspective of saying we could actually solve this problem, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think what Sarah had for for to to be in the unique position to solve that problem was she was looking to start a business at the time, so she never went into that specific problem wanting to solve that. She was just looking for general problems that she thought she could solve. Mm. And I think w- you're absolutely right. I think actually being open to looking for solutions enables you to look at ways. That are going to solve them. A lot of people pick out problems; they just negate those issues. And there's a whole piece about why the world's become so nihilist and and mm-hmm. what have you. But actually, just people looking for problems actually leads them to solve it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Well, that was that was the first question, mm-hmm. We've solved it, so there you go. We won't answer it. The, the first question was, where do you start with a problem? Yeah, there you go. Identify it. Yeah, let's move on, shall we? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah and I think is, is that something people can cultivate is it something that you just naturally have
0: no I think I think it's I think it's something that everyone has but sometimes they refuse to see it mm-hmm. some people are in denial that there is in fact a problem some people just get on and brush it under the carpet some people just ignore it completely you know there's there's a lot that can go into it but I feel like everyone has the ability
1: to identify it if it gets too much 100% i mean awareness or self-awareness takes practice of course it does of course so it everyone can practice problem solving every single person has got that ability to do that but um you actually have to take time and commit to doing it yeah i think well
0: we've spoken about time management before yeah. you know it's mm. it's a big topic mm-hmm. um how much time are you willing to Set yourself to actually identify problems and go and fix them.
2: Mm-hmm, and yeah. I, guess, I guess the other thing is, th- when you see these problems, what what do you do about it? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you just point them out? Uh, my my route, I guess, throughout my life has been to record problems. So I've got maybe 15 16 notebooks of things that I've found wrong in the world. Cool. And it can be really Whoa. mundane <laughs> things. Uh-huh. Like, um,
0: I'd really like to read these.
2: Yeah, <laughs> maybe not. No, nope. well, like the the money saving thing was one. There's a whole piece around makeup that we found quite interesting at okay. one point, which clearly I wear a lot of makeup, so I would be the ideal person to solve that. That's <laughs> <You> some <laughs> fetching guy liner you got on today.
1: Well, there you go, <laughs> guy liner. <laughs> yeah, I <That> think <laughs> it's it is a thing, because I said it.
0: Yeah, sure. Did you did you just? make a claim that you invented that? No, I didn't. No, that's good. No, well, that's I good. definitely
1: heard that from someone else.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I mean, I've got this article here that's seven tips on problem solving. Mm-hmm. So number one is without a doubt identifying the problem. Mm-hmm. We've, we've established that. Let's let's sh- shift on. But th- you asked the question there, which is weirdly, my next question sort of is what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Now, what do you do when you discover there is a problem? Mm-hmm. Most people and I think it's argumentative to say, but it's true. Ignore them. Mm. They don't know that there's a
1: problem, or they they see the problem and think it'll sort itself out, or they get stuck in the problem and the drama, and oh. actually don't think about a solution, a way forward, something more positive. There's a there's a coaching model. Um, created by a guy called David Rock. So he did create this by all accounts um, called The Five Levels of Focus. Huh. Okay. And so I, I use this in, in my coaching. Um, essentially, it mm-hmm. cascades down from one to five. So one is vision. Two is planning. Three is detail. Four is problem. Five is drama. And we put that into context by recognizing... That what we focus on grows. Okay. So when we focus on a problem or a drama, it only gets bigger until we shift the focus onto something else. And ideally my role as a coach is to move people into a state of vision, planning, imagining something better, imagine a better future, and then creating a plan to actually make that happen. Mm -hmm. I get that. So for me, but that's a great way of p- solving problems by actually shifting the focus. So rather than really worrying about the problem and the negatives, is thinking, getting into a mindset of thinking about alternatives and new possibilities rather than just get stuck. <laughs> Sorry, and, I'm laughing because that's number four. <laughs> 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 I, I just fired the, on. The question I
2: have from that is, do, do you think people typically don't solve problems because they're not willing to commit to them, yeah. or mm. do you think there's a lot of problems people think there's dogma against solving them, so they're they're fighting against conventional wisdom? So well, I,
0: th- I think people are afraid to fail. So if you find a problem and you try and fix it, and you fail at it, that's mm. going to feel worse.
2: Mm-hmm. So, so why, why do you think people think that that makes them feel worse do, do you think it's it makes them feel bad or they think people have a negative perception about it when actually mm. people don't really care like that mm. uh, yeah you, people it's, generally it's like, don't care it's that like much like if yeah. you stand up on the stage and you go through this baffling presentation and you think jesus christ this is just completely bombed and then you go off the stage and you say how was it and your, your mates like eh, it was all right
1: yeah
0: <laughs> yeah but which, which
2: mm-hmm. a they're speaking nonsense b they actually weren't listening that much. they were more focused on the presentation they're about to give themselves, yeah,
0: yeah, sure, but yeah, generally speaking, the biggest problems to yourself is not an issue for other people, yeah, especially when it comes to things like public speaking or you know performing in some some sense of the word um, doing a presentation, if you mess it up, people have very short memories, yeah, thirty and, seconds and afterwards
2: fact, the best thing I think that's ever happened to me. During public speaking, Mm -hmm. was was completely ruining something in a room of 300 people. Yeah, okay. So, in the moment, you're like, Jesus Christ, that's the most embarrassing thing. Yeah. Like, you you literally want the world to swallow you up. Mm -hmm. And after that, nothing's that bad. Mm -hmm. Like, it it happens once. You get off the stage. You never see those people again. Yeah. Um,
0: That's true, actually. That's why I don't mind doing karaoke. There you go. Just, just
1: car crash. Well, car crash it up.
0: Yeah, if you do, you don't see the people again. So, what's the point? What's the point? Mm-hmm. Just, just go and have a bit of a laugh.
1: One thing that I was told as advice for public speaking, since we're on the on the subject, is that generally most people don't want you to fail. That's true. I think people are quite positive
0: about that. Yeah, they don't yeah. want you, you to. Do
2: think about the people that do want you to fail?
0: Yeah, but we don't have time for those. Yeah, you know, I mean, if if someone wants you to fail, them. You're, you're hanging out with the wrong people, I think. I, know,
2: I think it's interesting motivation though. there. Mm. Like if, well, if why why really would they want you to level, fail? So, a number of reasons. That, I'll come back to that. So, a number of the ways like top sportsmen will motivate themselves for games that they should win really easily mm-hmm. is by not imagining the feeling of winning. They mm-hmm. imagine the feelings of, imagine we lost to I think Gary Neville's a famous one about when they were playing this San Marino or someone like that. Like mm-hmm. Imagine your sure. shame! And I think that's where I mean, from coming from the perspective, people wanting you to fail. A lot of people want England to lose, right? Yeah, in Scotland. And I think actually across the world, man, across the world. world. Yeah, true. yeah, A lot of people want things to lose right? <laughs> Yeah, and they actually, and, and maybe you can say, well, actually, they haven't been very successful. So maybe this wanting to prove people wrong hasn't worked for them. Mm. I I think it's interesting to look at the opposite of everything you assume. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting. Most people do want you to succeed. Even the people that don't know you that are in the room, they don't want you to go up there and bomb. Mm -hmm. I always like to look at things from, yeah, what about the people in the room that want to see the car crash? (laughs) (laughs) Is that interesting? The masochists. Well, it's
0: it's sort of mesmerizing in a way, though. I mean, if you actually talk about stuff like that, it's talking about car crash. it's, It's that feeling of, I don't really want to see a car crash. I don't want to miss one, though. But I, I guess,
1: in a way, actually, I could understand someone's desire to see someone fail because, actually, what you'd probably be looking for is to seeing how they react.
2: And do you learn more
1: from that? I, exactly. You, well, I then, mean, we all know we learn more from failure than success. yes. you do success, yes. Of course. So to actually see someone fail... And then see how they react in the moment, and how they pivot or learn from learn in that moment can tell you a lot to help you ultimately. It's not how you fall down; it's how you get back up, isn't it?
0: Exactly. I heard that somewhere. Mm. Oh, it was um, Matt Damon said it in one of his movies. Actually, Matt uh, Damon. Adjustment Bureau. I'll put a link to that because it's a brilliant movie. But he said he that. said that in a speech, and then immediately went, "It's bullshit. We didn't have that scene." <laughs> <laughs> Just sounded good, didn't it? <laughs> it, was, it was excellent. It was, it was good, but it did stick with me though that that thing there. So, mm. but yeah, you had mentioned it though. Assessing alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, that is number four. Yeah, that's tip number four. Number three was brainstorming, but mm-hmm. we're See, we're gonna I, skip I, over I, that.
2: I for a really don't find much value in brainstorming. I, really? I think when you nah. so it's it's weird, right? If if you do brainstorming in a group, there's there's two ways to do it. There's a really good book about I think it's radical candor yeah i've not i've got that i've read read that it 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 is incredible Mm. and what they go into and i think amazon have popularized it a little bit now as well um who's ray dalio's um Mm. principles so a lot of these people focus on actually getting truth Mm. and you go into a room you brainstorm as a group and you end up just resorting to the person that speaks the loudest then yeah there's people that misbehave, so you just act to their suggestions to avoid avoid arguments. And actually, there's really strong evidence to go against groupthink and yeah. brainstorming sessions like this. And there seems to be a lot more value if people brainstorm on their own, yeah. come to the, the place, and sorry, you go around and you give people more time to speak. So the quiet people in the room, the people who aren't experts, everyone gets to put forward their mm-hmm. opinion in a way that is actually going to get listened to. Mm-hmm. I think Amazon do something different where they have silence at the start of meetings. Everyone gets to read the agenda, write down their thoughts. Some people even do it in a way where it's semi-anonymized, they get submitted to portal, everyone gets to read that. So I, I don't, there's there's some group think that works, some brainstorming that works, sorry. Others, no, complete yeah. waste of
0: time. Uh, See, when I need to go and think creatively, for example, for work, I go into a room myself. We've got a we've got a pod mm-hmm. in my room and it's soundproofed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go in there and it's it's actually cool because it's got in it it's got um it's got light settings mm-hmm. and one of the markets' is called Think, mm-hmm. and it dims the lights so much then you start thinking. And so I'm so in there like for sensory hours.
2: Sensory deprivation almost. A little
0: bit, yeah. Not not quite as extreme as you know the tanks that you get, but yeah, it's a little bit a bit a bit, a bit like that. But it's brilliant fun.
1: Have you ever uh, come across the book Think and Grow Rich? Mm-hmm. Napoleon Hill. I have not. So he um. I mean, a big part of the book is um, his him speaking about his experiences of just thinking and giving himself the opportunity to access his subconscious mind. Okay. Because through his own experiences, he found that through doing that, he was able to find the answers that he needed mm-hmm. by simply just giving himself time and space, like, that you've suggested um, to just think and just allow thoughts Mm. to occur
0: well George Ezra Ezra did that singer guy Um, his new album he he wrote it apparently in Spain when he had nothing else Like he blocked everything else out Mm -hmm. just so he could go and write that Mm. I thought it was really clever of him actually Mm -hmm. Um, but we're on to number 5 you've assessed alternatives Mm -hmm. for a problem that you've got choosing the solution is number 5 pick the right one because you might end up there is more than one way to skin a cat. Yep. Yeah, that's a horrible saying, by the way. <laughs>
1: one one method I use in the skin a cat. Yeah, it's horrible. You've <laughs> got a cat. You? I know he ain't getting skinned. I don't know. Well, although some days I do feel like murdering him because he can be a pain in the hoop. But um, yeah, that's cat. That's furry, a very huh?
0: Scottish sentence. That uh, one. Isn't yeah, it? I know.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a, I think intuition is quite important because, and that plays a really valuable role in making decisions because um, when I, and, that, and that's one of the reasons why I love coaching because coaching unlocks new ways of thinking because it's about being present, asking powerful questions and helping people to think in a different way yeah. to open up their mind. You can notice things you can notice things about someone's energy mm-hmm. so if you're exploring different alternatives and different ideas you can notice whether say a specific idea fit you know visibly deflates someone because actually yeah. nah, that's that's not for me that's you know. you can see in someone's body that that's not resonating with them mm-hmm. but then they might come on to some alternative, some idea or some possibility that actually starts to elevate them and then they start to get animated and talking about this. And you can then reflect that back to them and say, do you notice what's happened there? Do you see that that's got you excited or it's evoked some positive emotional reaction in you? Maybe that's worth exploring. Maybe that's a possibility that you want to pursue rather than those other ones that you didn't really get that same response from. Interesting
2: hmm interesting okay so 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 basically that's uh, I guess inspired by something Steve Jobs said at one point where uh-huh. the world around us exists and was created by someone no smarter than you and I basically mm-hmm. yeah okay. and there's no reason that you can't create solutions to your problems and create things that other people will use mm. and it and it's literally as simple as that so when I'm looking around even a kitchen where there's a coffee mug or there's a bottle of water there's One of uh, a kid's toy, that is a potential that is a an actual solution to a problem someone had, but it's potentially not the best solution. It's the best solution up to this point. So, a fridge, a fridge is the most efficient mechanism currently to cool our juice or our food or keep. um, meat fresh basically yeah it doesn't mean it's the best solution that will ever exist Mm -hmm. so i think people can find solutions in or or find potential things to create solutions for in everyday things Mm -hmm. what's harder is actually finding problems where there aren't current solutions for and they're way harder
1: what could be better than the fridge what would be the next iteration of a fridge?
2: <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of wasted <laughs> space in the fridge, right? Yeah. yeah
1: and possibly are. energy as well. well. If you
0: take that principle, the wasted space, I mean, we mm-hmm. used to have giant TVs, mm-hmm. you know, and then we've brought them down into basically just thicker than cardboard.
2: And, and that's one thing. So iterative evolution yeah. isn't revolution. Yeah. Sometimes people aren't ready for revolution. Yeah, right? that's so true. What it, I think Henry Ford says something famous about if he'd asked his customers what they wanted it'd have been a faster horse. Yes. Yeah. Whereas he gave the world the all on the wheel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: That, that's very interesting. Um, do, you ever, do you ever think that, that some people have solutions for problems that don't exist?
2: Some people have got problems for every solution. Yeah. yeah.
0: But people have solutions for problems that don't exist. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, that's exactly... Yeah. What,
0: I mean, so you can take it too far, there, basically.
2: Yeah. It's... Is, I guess you could argue our, our drugs and alcohol solutions to personal problems that, that people... Oh, we're going have. down a rabbit hole here. I like this. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that That's one way that I would look at it. But yeah. Yeah, there, there's a number of things. So Juicero, who raised 500 million in venture capital, um, created this thing, which was basically a cold press solution for smoothies, basically. Right. So they would pack fruit into a bag. Mm-hmm. You would buy the bag you would take it all the way, to. Your, they would deliver it to mm-hmm. your house, it would go into the machine, and that would compress the thing, squeeze mm-hmm. out the juice. And the problem was that you could squeeze this bag by hand and it would give you the same juice, so why would you pay $400 for a machine to do it? <laughs> Oh,
0: my God. So, <laughs> so yeah, there are, there are solutions for things that aren't absolutely. problems. Mm-hmm. One of which, me and um, we were speaking to Steve Beattie Yeah. about, is Huel. Mm-hmm. Remember, remember the conversation we had about huel. Yeah, uh, how I said I'd reserve judgment until I've tried it. Yes, I have since tried it. Okay, it does not taste good.
2: Huel being <laughs> the British variant of Soylent,
0: I think so. Cool, I think so. It's packs in all the nutrients your body needs for an entire meal, um, in a, in a shake. Mm-hmm. Basically, you just add water to and it.
2: You presumably have three a day,
0: something like that. It's th- three or four. I, I I've only tried it, so I've not been religious with it. I must admit, but mm-hmm. it's. It does not taste good. Um, it's a fatal flaw in the product. Say, but but really what they've done is, consumable. is effectively, they they went they went food eating's a problem, isn't it? That's what they've thought. You know, eating's a problem. Let's how do we streamline eating? <laughs> how do we make a meal so quick? You know, because if you if you go back to like the eighties or something like that, they're saying we need me- uh, meals in pill form. Mm. We're gonna get that. Don't want, that's gonna happen in like another 10, 15 years, perhaps. But we've got a shake at the moment. We have to have an intermediary, of course. Mm. Um, but they haven't—they haven't nailed it yet. Mm-hmm. They've got all the nutrients in it, but they need to make it as pleasant mm. as food, mm-hmm. quicker. Yeah. But then you've got to ask yourself: Why are we making it quicker? What's wrong with food?
2: Yeah, yeah. I guess in some situations it's beneficial. Like, but for the most part, you want to sit down. There's, yeah, y- there's. There's external utility to eating a meal than just the energy you get. Right? Of
0: course, it is. There's a social, ac- a yeah. social aspect to it, and there's there's actually just a rest as well. You know, there's there's a lot that goes into eating a meal as opposed to just There's the pleasure
1: aspect. Of
0: course, there is. That's why people go into restaurants. Mm. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into it, but um, that that was that was one that like they here, focused on a problem. So
2: something interesting to me is how many people actually take the time to appreciate what they're eating, though. Like that, I don't. That know. completely removes that. that. So you drink the, the shake. You don't even acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. A, powdery. Is that, Yeah. is it, is it actually going to... Does, does it deal with the hunger? Or does it... Yes, does but I feel like
0: it it, it deals it doesn't deal with it for as long. Okay. Like, no. for example, if you were to eat like pasta... Is that psychological pretty, or... Maybe. It might be something. Like, pasta's pretty heavy meal. You mm-hmm. can be full on pasta for quite a while, like mm-hmm. a few hours at least, anyway. Um, but what I've found is if you have fuel... Like, let's take, for example, breakfast. Replace that with like Weetabix, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You'll be hungrier when it gets to lunchtime than you will yeah, if you have Weetabix or porridge or
1: something. But a lot of the hunger pangs that we experience are actually either thirst mm-hmm. disguised as hunger or it's... Boredom? Our, well, there's that. But Boredom, the, yeah, that's a problem. But it's the, it's the body's
2: need for sugar. hmm yeah, I'm I'm terrible for that. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, <all laughs> I'll, 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 I'll get to about three things. o'clock and I'll be like, uh, just want to eat a couple of spoons full of sugar. I, wow. obviously <laughs> do, I obviously don't <laughs> actually eat the sugar yeah. direct. but it'd be it would be a more efficient <laughs> solution, I guess. Yeah, that's so brilliant. There's there's a couple of things. There's there's a really interesting book by the guy that created the Headspace app, Andy, whatever his name is. yeah, okay. So he, for for me, I've, I've tried meditation and it does not work. Doing like guided meditation so the app her- mm. horrific for me it Th- doesn't okay. work at all mm. book unbelievable mm-hmm. like it it helps you not ju- it doesn't just tell you what to do it helps you with the practice of doing it okay but part of it is everyday mindfulness and yeah. part of that is obviously eating so yep. hence the reason i brought it up mm-hmm. and uh, even when you're eating a really good meal might be the best meal you've ever had how many bites of that do you actually acknowledge in the moment? So you'll eat the first bite and you'll say, oh, that's the best steak I've ever had. You'll eat the second one you'll mm-hmm, that's fine. Still the best. By the third or fourth, fourth bite, it's just autopilot. You're not yeah. even sort of taking it in. And he basically reflects back to the time where they were in a monastery sitting there eating their food and they had to take exactly an hour to eat rice and curry every day.
0: Wow, so, that is so difficult.
2: Yeah, and they had to <laughs> like basically... The mindfulness aspect of it is to sit there and obviously focus on the exact thing that you're doing yeah and that's a really difficult problem <laughs> yeah it is. as soon as you focus on doing something even this conversation your your mind goes other places it's really hard to be present whether it's with food or listening to people but the, yeah. f- the food thing i think is interesting yeah mm-hmm. I, we yeah. uh yeah, yeah we
1: spoke about this with steve um because so i gave an example of, uh, it was the experience my wife had um where she, it was a, it was a training thing in service state at school, and they got this lady in, and she um, got everyone to eat a piece of chocolate over ten minutes. See, so again, that's so difficult. But yeah, but, but, but the whole idea of you're looking at it, smelling it, yeah. feeling it, it, exactly the same. Taste thing. It, 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 look at it the color,
2: the texture, how does it basically feel on the tongue before it? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. actually, that mindfulness aspect, actually, just being fully present, actually. Mm to go back to the problem solving thing, it, mm-hmm. it helps you solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Because if you're there, yeah. you're not just you're not just sort of experiencing the problem. You're you're seeing it. You're you're feeling mm-hmm. the problem. You're noticing the the ways people react to it. So I think that to go back to my experience where that phone call happens and I'm sort of looking at the psychology of my dad who's furious about the problem. My grandmother who let her sky go over for six, seven, eight, twenty years, whatever it was. Yeah. Well, I could could see the problem that because it was something I was interested in, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get the solution. I could see that actually there was a real issue there. Mm -hmm. So I think actually just being present in the moment helps you develop those things that actually make a difference and can avoid maybe finding solutions to things that aren't problems. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. Right, folks, what we'll do is we're going to leave it there for this week. Um, We'll come back next week with part two. Uh, because I feel like we've got a lot more to talk about. For uh, sure. Absolutely. Um, there's there's going to be... The takeaway is next week. Yeah. And we should leave it blank this week mm-hmm. because we've got nothing to take away yet. Well, But stay tuned for...
2: Th- the takeaway s- might be to look for problems between yeah, looks, this week and next. Yeah, all right. Yeah. All right, let's all look be, for a problem. Be open to finding problems. Yes. Let's all,
0: let's all look for a problem. Be aware. So we'll come back for the takeaway next week. And set, step six and seven of the seven tips for problem solving, effective problem solving, yes. not just problem solving. And we've also got a, a couple of other questions, but there's there's another couple of topics that we're going to keep a little surprise until next week. Yeah. All right, guys. Any last remarks for this week? See ya. Yeah, of course it is. Mm. Dave? None from me. Yeah. Did you notice that I called you Steve there? Steve? Because <laughs> yeah, we are talking about <laughs> Steve. I said maybe. Dave. <laughs> no, I, thought I, called, you said, I called him Steve. I thought Steve. You said Dave as well. See, there's a problem. <laughs>
2: You, so, uh, the last thought. Some, a, sometimes, just people you
0: know. just ignore the fact that there's a problem in the first place. Yes. yes. So there you go. All right, Chris. Thanks for that. All right, guys. We'll catch up with you next week. Until then, see you later.